Welcome to GVN's Talking Comics interview. On today's show, we welcome writer Harold Schechter and artist Eric Powell. The creators behind Albatross Funny Book's new graphic novel, Did You Hear What Eddie Gein Done? Here's your host, Martin Sexton. Welcome once again to another edition of GVN's Talking Comics. I'm your host, Martin, and today we will be talking to the creators of an upcoming graphic novel about probably one of the most notorious and maybe influential killers in the last 50 years, Ed Gein, coming uh, from Albatross Exploding Funny Books. Did you hear what Eddie Gein done is coming out August 4th? And we have the privilege of talking to Harold Schechter and Eric Powell. And welcome to GVN's Talking Comics, guys. Well, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, okay, so let's just jump right in. Uh, so how did this project get put together? I know, Harold, you, you're quite familiar with the whole situation. I mean, you've written a book about it. And uh, in fact, I, think I just recently saw you in a, a documentary about it. But uh, how exactly did the graphic novel get put together? Well, uh, uh, it was all instigated by Eric, uh, who could tell you more about his um, motives for it. But uh, yeah, I just got contacted by my agent one day told me Eric Powell, who was a uh, comic book artist whose work I knew well and have admired for many years, had gotten in touch with him about the possible collaboration with so. I, feeling as I did and as I do about Eric's art, I leapt at the chance. And Eric, what, uh, what was that? Were you familiar with Ed Gein before you approached Harold about this? I was. He, uh, like with a lot of people, he was kind of the boogeyman of my childhood you know it was there was a lot of talk on uh, you know among other kids about how uh uh texas chainsaw massacre was a real story and things like that and i was a, a big fan of harold's work i you know i had uh devoured all of his material and had the idea of doing a a gain book uh centered around his isolation in wisconsin um but uh, being very familiar with uh, Harold's book, Deviant, uh, I felt like I couldn't do anything better than what Harold had already done. But I did, <laughs> a few days later, I thought uh, I should maybe see if he'd be interested in collaborating uh, on something because he may have more information since he had uh, come to him since he had written that book. Um, I, I wasn't too hopeful that he was going to respond, but uh, uh very happy to find out he was a huge comic fan and uh as he said was very uh, enthusiastic about uh, working on a book okay. Uh, okay so now eric brought up the herald that uh you know he wasn't sure if he'd come up with anything new Have, had you discovered anything new that you were able to put into the, the graphic novel that you hadn't already discussed in uh, your previous book uh, a couple of small things, but it, it wasn't so much that uh, I had come up with new research material. Actually, Eric, who did a lot of research while we were collaborating on the book, came up with some juicy little tidbits. Um, but I but I had over the years uh, come to some different conclusions about the nature of Keen's psychopathology and the sources of his psychopathology, you know, what was really going on inside his very disordered mind when he was committing all these atrocities. Um, so, you know, I saw the graphic novel, among other things, as 
an opportunity to convey some of the ideas that I had or, or well, insights um, that I had uh, arrived at, uh, you know, after having written the book. I was just going to say his, uh, and I think that's really uh, Harold's perspectives on the inner working of workings of uh, Gein's mind are really what makes this book stand out and makes it special. And I, I feel like it's the best part of the book. Um, the it's it's a completely new perspective, I think, than than what has been uh, put out there before. As as I read through it, I mean. There is so much, so many different aspects of it that I found uh, kind of fascinating. Uh, number one, like I said, even though you know it's basically about Ed, but his mother, uh, I mean, is as much as much of a central character in it as Ed, and it kind of opened up all kinds of discussions. And I think you touched in it a little bit in the book, you know, especially at the end, where you know when people were discussing, you know, they can because they knew Augusta, they could kind of understand why maybe Ed. Maybe he turned out the way he did. And of course, other people saying, no, there's no excuse in what he did. But uh, I mean, I could see where it at least would open up a discussion. Uh, I mean, I mean, for that matter, even with uh, her husband, who, you know, if someone nagged me as much as she nagged, I mean, I don't know if I wouldn't go to drinking myself. Oh. So uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, I'd say it's a, it's a very fascinating you know, in different ways you look at it. It's just, it's a fascinating thing and it opens up all kinds of discussion. We definitely wanted to, to uh, have that, the discussion be a little ambiguous and, and tell different uh, um, or present different perspectives uh, as far as, um, you know, how people interpreted uh, the crimes and Keen's actions. No, uh, well, you know, as Eric was saying, um, you know, it is, it is, uh, I just want to say, by the way, I think the best part of the book is like Eric's art, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, as you were saying, I mean, you know, I think we, you know, there's always been this very, in a way, kind of simplistic Freudian interpretation of um, what was going on in Gein's mind you know, like a very extreme form of this Oedipal complex. And of course, when Gein's crimes happened in the 50s, that was like the heyday of Freudian analysis. So, you know, that inevitably was the way his crimes got interpreted. Um, but I think, uh, again, in our book, we're able to introduce uh, a kind of different perspective on, on what was going on. Uh, you know, it, it, based on these insights I had and, and Eric's like amazing visualization of that stuff. So yeah, uh, hopefully it might open up some uh, new discussions uh, about what was going on with Gene. Now, as far as, as far as art goes, Eric, I said, now you, you chose to do this in black and white. Uh, was that the initial choice? Did you ever consider color? And also you kind of stayed away from really as much as it could have been real gratuitous, you know, images. Right. I mean, uh, was, I assume that was also an in, uh, your intention. Yes, uh, I I did uh, some initial sketches and uh, started just feeling out the 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 way I wanted the book to look visually, and I just couldn't see it in color. Um, and I think something having looked at a lot of the 
uh, you know, news material and stuff from the, his arrest and, and, you know, just, it was an era of black and white and it just, to me, it just wouldn't seem, uh, it just wouldn't feel right. Uh, personally for me uh, to see the story portrayed in color. So it was definitely a conscious choice to go in that direction. Um, and as far as the, the violence and gore of the story goes, I mean, you, you, it's, <laughs> it, it's uh, impossible to escape uh, based on the, you know, subject matter, but um, Harold and I discussed it quite a bit early on about how we wanted to uh, portray the, you know, some of the gruesome aspects of this. And uh, I think we were both uh, wanted to stay away from the kind of exploitive uh, nature. It had been covered pretty, uh, it had been covered in the past pretty well, I think, uh, from that take of a, a, a gore fest kind of a, a, a comic. So we didn't want to do that. With the, yeah. with, the, with the whole black and white thing kind of reminded me of the old creepy uh you know worn magazines which mm -hmm. uh, i was i was a big fan mm -hmm. of i mean as far as does that format so uh i mean right to me it worked it worked perfectly and it also uh you know also has the feel visual feel of psycho mm -hmm. um which of course is in black and white so uh you know and we also live in an age where anybody who can see incredibly gruesome images of you know, the atrocities that Keen performed. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's no real point in, in uh, mm -hmm. it would have seemed gratuitous. And, you know, as with a lot of horrific stuff, I mean, you know, sometimes suggesting things uh, can be more unsettling, you know, than showing them directly. Actually, the work, for me, the most disturbing image in the whole in the whole graphic novel is this one panel that I can barely look at showing Ed helping his mother disrobe. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's an amazing image. I thought you were going to say the, the close up of him eating the beans. Yeah. Those are pretty disturbing. <laughs> I remember it's the day, the day I sent that to you, you were like, I can barely look at that panel of him beans close yeah. up of his face. Yeah. But the other one, yeah, where he's pulling off his mother's, mm. his mother's dress or something that one of those images you can't unsee. So just touching on some of the other things, his brother Henry, of course, passed away under mysterious circumstances. Uh, did they never ever conceived the idea that maybe Ed had something to do with that? Well, I mean, there were a lot of rumors that he did have something to do with it. Um, you know, after all, you know, his grotesque crimes were discovered. You know, I myself have doubts that he had done it. <clears throat> I think it's, uh, you know, from my writing about other kinds of crimes, it's not uncommon, you know, when somebody commits some heinous, particularly heinous crime and people look at his background, and decide that different things, you know, he might have been responsible for different things. So, I mean, a lot of ambiguity surrounds it. Nobody knows for sure. But my best guess is, uh, uh, you know, that Gein probably didn't murder his brother, though he was probably not unhappy that his brother was dead. The part of the thing that, you know, got me thinking about it, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure probably other people think about it, was deal where he came and told him that he couldn't find his brother but then he led him right to where the body was i, I thought that was yeah. kind of 
Yes, yeah, that was always a, a suspicious circumstance. No question about that. Okay, so now you talked to courts, you know, about uh, the connection to psycho. And actually, at the, the very beginning of the book, you kind of start out in that. And one of the things that I thought about as I was reading it, and actually, again, you kind of mentioned it in, in the back of the book, is the, you know, you have people claiming that they Hitchcock cycle was causing, was going to cause people to, you know, do copycat killings and things like that. I always have a hard time getting where people complain or basically want to say, you know, like, just like the, whole, the comics code authority thing, where they want to say that comics are causing your children to act up and things like that, which I thought was ridiculous. And of course, they, uh, the comics uh, publishers made their own guidelines to kind of get away from the government uh, sticking their nose in it. Uh, but uh, and even now, like I said, like they all want to blame violence on video games. They want to blame it on just about everything. Uh, and I don't know if it's maybe it's just because it's an easy way out to try to describe why people are doing horrible things. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting that you touched upon it as, on your uh, end piece there. I mean, I've written a whole book about that subject, yeah. um, book called Savage Pastimes. You know, you know, the, my, the thesis of my book, what I illustrate mm -hmm. in my book, that ever since there's been popular culture. Uh, there have been these moral crusaders uh, blaming, uh, you know, juvenile, blaming these uh, different kinds of popular media for juvenile crime. I mean, it goes back, I wrote a book about a 13-year-old serial killer uh, back in the post-Civil War era, a kid named Jesse Pomeroy, who was, you know, a serial sex murderer, who was 13, 14 years old. He was 14 years old when he was finally arrested. And you know when they arrested him, he was going around and murdering and mutilating younger children. You know they blamed it on dime novels. You know dime novels were these you know precursors of the pulp novels and to some extent the comic books. You know every time there's been a new form of popular entertainment, immediately these moral watchdogs, you know, claim it's a danger to it's going to warp young lives. You know it happened with dime novels. It happened with the movies. It happened with radio. Uh, as you say, it happened with comic books. Now it's happening with video games. I'm sure in the future, you know, when Grand Theft Auto is looked at as this benign form of entertainment uh, and everybody's, you know, whatever, plugged into a virtual reality helmet, you know, they'll start blaming that. So that's just been going on since the start of popular culture. Okay, so of course, Cycle wasn't the only film that it had an effect on. Of course, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and of course, Silence of the Lambs. They borrowed, you know, uh, Jane Gum's thing about basically making a, a female. Now, did I remember reading correctly? Ed actually also had some issues as far as whether maybe that he wanted to be a woman instead of a, a male. In his uh, psychological uh, interviews, uh, he said he he claimed that, uh, but uh, not a lot to you know go on as far as I mean, other than the fact that he uh, uh, he spoke a lot about um, Christine Jorgensen, who was a, a trans uh, person in the fifties, first person first person in the U.S. to get a sex change. So there's evidence of that where he spoke on that and. Um, of course, you know, making uh, the uh, leggings and the breastplate and everything um, out of women's skin. Um, it's difficult to, to nail down exactly, you know, what uh, the purpose of all of this was. You know, we, we can draw conclusions, but 
was he was he trying to make a replacement for his mother was he trying to transform himself you know it's it, you can uh, come up with your own kind of theory based on you know the evidence at hand but um it's kind of hard to draw a definitive uh, conclusion mm-hmm. i think anyway i don't know yeah yeah, I just thought of something that we should have included. You know, it, it, the, you know, we have this whole thing about his worship of the great mother goddess mm-hmm. and uh, just realized, uh, and I can't remember what particular cult it was, um, but there was this ancient cult of the magnumator goddess where the priests would castrate themselves. So, you know, it all, you know, it all kinds of ties in. By the way, I never yeah. mentioned to Eric that Christine Jorgensen went to the same high school as my sister. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> um, we gotta. You have to remember that material, though. We could put that in an expanded edition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so toward the end, uh, where I think they were, Ed was trying to see if he could get released out, but uh, as he got older, he didn't really want to bring back up what he did. Uh, he, you know, thought the past was the past. Of course, the psychiatrists were saying, "Well, we can't let you out unless you're able to discuss." what you did, uh, which is maybe probably why he never did get out. It's debatable if he wanted to uh, be released. Um, I think I, I, I read a comment somewhere. Uh, this it may have been in the notes that you gave me, uh, Harold, uh, where the psychiatrist was uh, saying, as it got closer to the interview or uh, the judgment on whether or not he could be you know, considered for release, he, he, his mental state became worse. Maybe uh, because he didn't want to leave and the stress mm-hmm. of the thought of leaving the mental institution would, was uh, making him worse. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I mean, he, you know, it's a, it's a commentary on the kind of horrific life he was leading before he was incarcerated. You know, that, uh, you know, his life in the institution was like way better uh, than anything he had experienced before. So, and it was actual electricity you know <laughs> stuff like that so indoor plumbing um so yeah uh, it's hard to know how, how eager he really was to leave so uh okay so uh did you hear what eddie gein done is coming out on august 4th what is it that you i mean like i said what audience are you actually aiming this for are you aiming it for people who are already familiar with the store or for people who don't know the store like in my case uh where it kind of will educate you is that exactly who do you hope this will reach the most? I think uh, it's it appeals to both uh, people who aren't familiar with the case and uh, people who are, are, are you know enamored with it because um, we do have a different point of view uh, that I don't think has been uh, expressed before. And it's, it's just, you know, there's no other way to put it. It's a fascinating story. Um, for people who aren't familiar with the case and the the time period, the way that the case affected the time period. Um, It's, it's a really fascinating uh, segment of American history. Yeah. I mean, Gein has been a cult figure since the time his crimes were committed. I mean, even when I was writing my book, I mean, I hadn't heard of Gein when I started writing it. Um, But in the course of researching it, I discovered there were like Ed Gein fan clubs and things like that, you know, and his notoriety, you know, has really grown over the years. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, as Eric says, I mean, it's aimed at both audiences, um, but I do think that the large number of people who are fascinated by game, and Gein's story does seem to exert this endless fascination, you know, find, you know, find new things in it. I mean, it's certainly never been represented in the way, you know, Eric's been able to do that, so. Okay, so before I let you guys go, uh, Eric, you got anything else? In the box? You know, I know you've been pretty much concentrating on getting this uh, done, but uh, do you have anything new coming out that you want our followers to know about? Um, not right now. Just uh, we've been focusing so so much on this that uh, um, you know it's it's been the main priority. Uh, we'll have more goon material coming out uh, later in the year. Um, but uh, uh, for right now, this is this is our main focus. How about you, Harold? You got any, anything uh, else going on besides uh, this? Um, yeah, you know, I'm always right. And, you know, no shortage of, uh, you know, of uh, homicidal psychopaths uh, <laughs> in, our, in our national history to write about. So I'm always working on something. All right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And uh, we'll be following the book with interest, of course. And uh, hopefully maybe talk to you again sometime down the line. Yeah. Thanks Thank for having us. Thank you for listening to GVN's Talking Comics. Please come back again. Talking Comics is a production of Geek Vibes Nation.